RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Justin Watson. We've got the panel on the line. Mine is Torres tonight, so we've got Jeff Hobbs and Greg Hopkins joining us. And it's Recap and Reactions Week as we are fresh off of Valor 86. Went down this past Saturday night from the Camp Jordan Arena down in Chattanooga, Eastridge to be exact. Uh, pretty wild night of fights, guys, so we're going to get into it. We've got a recap, and then uh, next week we'll be right back to uh, – previewing uh, Valor 87, which will be going down uh, Friday, September the 3rd from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe, back with the pros on that one. And I uh, got some news for you guys that will drop next week as well, some pretty exciting stuff, so stay tuned on that. Um, we'll see here. So, uh, Justin, we, we didn't really do picks this week. It was more uh, a change in our, our format here, um, more like a, a, a discussion, yeah, more like a roundtable discussion, if you will. So, um, you know, we'll, we divided the show into three uh, segments, uh, and we'll just kind of go through each segment with the results, and then we'll go around the horn, let you guys uh, uh, kind of speak on what stood out to you, kind of biggest winners, biggest losers, that kind of thing. We'll keep it kind of loose. And uh, with that, Justin, uh, let's go ahead and get those results for those first uh, for that first flight of fights. By the way, if you missed it, you can still go back and catch all the action at CombatCast.tv. Once you purchase a pay-per-view on there, it's yours to watch in perpetuity. So, um, Justin, let's have at it for this first set. All right, man. Started out with some, some great kids action. Uh, Case Wright gets the win in his debut in a Muay Thai bout against Sly Loose. Uh, next up, we had Tyler Jones getting another unanimous decision uh, to add to his tie record against Will Burnett. Next up, we had MMA, 145 pounds. Tristan Kelly gets the rear naked choke uh, in the first round over Justin Valla. Uh, and then Brivin Sullivan wins a decision over Khalil Sims uh, at 135 pounds. And then to round this segment out, uh, Michael Coger. Wins with a uh, second round um, TKO over Preston Rogers. All right, so you know, as you mentioned, the kids uh, got us got us jumped off there. The the little kids at that; these are twelve and ten years old. They really put on a nice show. Um, Zach Fox trains uh, young Case Rice, who uh, you can tell definitely uh, you know has, has been put through the ringer there with uh, with that uh, traditional tie training. As Zach Fox is uh, specializes in very respectful young man, very uh, very technical. Sly Luce uh, representing a goat. He also had a very good showing, and he was giving up a couple years in age there. So uh, you know, very uh, very action packed fight. Both kids had their moments. Uh, just a little bit more output, a little bit more uh, accuracy out of uh, Case Rice as he gets that unanimous decision, but uh, great learning experience for both guys. They got the crowd uh, you know, off off to a great start, and it's only going to help them both as they progress through their uh, their young careers, just getting, the, getting that cage time like that. Very impressive showing for both guys. Uh, Case Rice got that win, and then the other tie fight, man, this one was... This one was a lot of fun. This one, uh, we, we knew it was going to be good. It was kind of a tale of two fights. Uh, Tyler Jones gets that unanimous decision win, as you as you mentioned, over um, Will Burnett. But uh, that, you know, Burnett came out guns blazing that first round, really had uh, Tyler Jones kind of 
kind of uh, on the defensive for that whole first, uh, probably the first uh, minute and a half, dare I say, of that first round. But it kind of uh, kind of blew his blew his load early. And uh, there was a body kick, a liver shot that that uh, Tyler had landed with like a spinning uh, kind of like a spinning push kick to the body. And he's landed that before and dropped guys for good, if you recall. But uh, Burnett, uh, he, he never went down to his credit. Very tough guy. But that really kind of zapped the the energy out of him. Uh, Burnett took that first round, but then uh, Tyler really turned it on the second and third rounds, got a few standing eight counts and, and kind of got a. Uh, going away decision, if you will. Good performance from both guys. Again, Burnett was was very uh, affected by that body kick and, and still managed to gut through it. Uh, Tyler Jones, man, just keeps coming on. He's a young buck and, and improves every time and called my ass out afterwards saying he wants a damn title fight. So um, I guess who am I to deny him that, right? Uh, real, good, real good showing there from uh, young Tyler Jones. Got into the MMA. Uh, Tristan Kelly uh, evens his record up at um, at two and two. Uh, no, I think he's two and two now. Actually, it says two and one on Tapology, but he's got one down in Bammer early. I think uh, he uh, he gets a win with a rear naked choke over Justin Valla. Um, first time we've seen Valla. Um, you know, uh, game kid. Yeah, definitely came in shape. But uh, Kelly uh, put his wrestling uh, on display there. Was able to grapple his way. To that win, get his record up to even, and get the show off to a good start for the highest stand group. Uh, Brevin Sullivan uh, was up next with a unanimous decision win over Khalil Sims. This was a lot of fun. This was a really good back and forth fight between two gyms in uh, Agogi and uh, Doug Usher's independent MMA. Um, a lot of transitions, a lot of scrambles, a lot of big, uh, big kicks and big blows standing. This is really back and forth fight. Uh, unanimous decision goes to Brevin Sullivan in a fight that was probably a lot closer than what the scorecards would indicate realistically. Nice showing for Brevin Sullivan. He let everybody know afterward he is the best striker in all of the United States, the nation even. Uh, so uh, needless to say, uh, they are crawling out of the woodwork looking to challenge young Brevin Sullivan for his next one. I had about five guys come up to me and say they want to fight Brevin Sullivan next. He won't be a hard one to, uh, to match moving forward. But uh, nice showing for both guys. Again, it was good for Brevin and be able to get that full three rounds of experience at nine minutes of cage time the first time out that goes a long way you know moving forward um and then rounding out that set we had michael cober moved to two and oh now all the way down from detroit um real real nice guy good dude uh put together uh physical was able to uh get the takedowns over preston rogers and get that ground and pound in late in uh well i guess you would say about midway through that second round uh rogers was just kind of stuck on his back and and i'd stepped away actually for the end of this one but i heard it was almost comical just the way that uh that the referee caleb miller uh kind of had to step in and uh, maybe one of you guys can can give a better rehashing of that than me since i wasn't there for it but uh, uh a good win for michael coger goes to 2-0 and and he's a guy that i think will step up in competition next in that 185 range and uh, kind of step him up to a you know a contender type um bout next if i had to guess um, I'll, we'll go around the horn, get, uh, thoughts on this first flight of fights, uh, overall, uh, you know, impressions who, who stood out, who, uh, you know, who, uh, who really kind of, uh, you know, turned your head out there. We'll start with, uh, actually let's start with Justin because Justin actually wasn't there. He wasn't judging this show so he can speak a little more freely and was on vacation out at the beach. Uh, so he's able, he was able to kind of see the uh the product as it were on on uh, on the pay-per-view broadcast versus being there live which is sometimes a completely different aspect uh justin your take on this first set yeah man first off i mean 
you know, this was the first one that I've, you know, had to, I've sat down and watched the whole thing uh, through on the pay-per-view portion. I've watched them back a little bit, but usually with the sound off and, you know, just kind of, you know, not paying close attention to every fight. But Hey, what did you think about the picture-in-picture? Picture we, we debuted a little picture-in-picture picture cam this time. I thought that was the first time. I knew that that was the first time I had seen it, but that's what I was going to talk about. The production was great. They were they had the corner cam in uh, there for a little while, and that was pretty cool just, you know, having uh, the double shot there. Um, but man, to get started, the, the, the kids put it on a show, you know, both these kids come out a 12 year old and a 10 year old. And these kids had, you know, d- nice striking. Everything was, was crisp. They were put together. Um, you can tell that these kids have been putting in work and, and with some, some excellent coaching. Um, and I'm excited for, for these kids future, you know, when you get started at 10 and 12 years old and you're already fighting in front of these big crowds and stuff and, you know, by the time you're 18 years old, you can be a world beater. And um, I love the way that we develop these these young ones like that. And they both put on a show, man. It was a great fight. Um, Tyler Jones looked phenomenal, as always. Uh, Tristan Kelly was impressive for me. You know, last time he came out, he uh, took a took a fight at a, a two weight classes a, above, you know, where he's naturally would fight at um, to step in for one of his teammates. And, um, you know, this time he, he was able to get back to his weight class, got put in a bad position kind of early, but um, then ended up still getting a submission there in the first round. Briven Sullivan also uh, super impressive. Khalil Sims was no joke either, man. Both those guys were giving it everything they had, um, and that was a that was a really fun fight. Briven was a little upset about not getting the finish, but, man, Khalil Sims was no joke. He wasn't going to give it up easy, so... Um, that was a, a good win, good debut for Riven Sullivan against a, a, a high-level opponent. Um, and then Michael Cougar, you know, independent out of uh, Chicago. But um, whatever he's doing is working now. Um, you know, we'll see when he gets progresses on to a little bit higher-level competition. But he's put together, got good wrestling, and, um, you know, it looks like he could be uh, a force to be reckoned with in the future. Uh, Jeff Hobbs, your take. Uh, this was actually probably one of my out of, you know, how we blocked this off into three sections. This was probably my favorite block of fights um, as, as far as, you know, like just fun and action packed. Um, but, you know, all in all, for the, for me, this group right here was all about Rice and Loose, um, Jones Burnett and then Briven Sullivan. Um, the kids, man, they started out this show on fire. You know, sometimes I go to shows where they have these kids fights and these uh, youth uh, exhibitions and things. And, you know, they look like, you know, kids and they look like, you know, youth. Uh, these two young men look like savvy, salty, skilled veterans, you know, really. Um, both of their strikings were just, you know, precise and on point, um, you know. Uh, the hardest part about these, though, is when that decision's uh, read and, you know, um, you know, these guys having to kind of, uh, you know, mentally, uh, emotionally toughen up a little bit. And, uh, you know, it breaks my heart when I see one of them, you know, get upset. And uh, it, it's just because at it, such a young age, they are learning quickly what it's like to put so much into these fight camps and get ready for this. And then things not, you know, to go the way you had hoped or, or planned. But um um, you know, the uh, way uh, Case Rice's uh, corner and his camp, you know, treated Sly Loose after the after the fight, talking to him and 
uh, you know, uh, it was awesome to see. It's what it's all about. But Tyler Jones, man, uh, completely lost the first round. Uh, all three judges uh, turned in their open scoring. Will Burnett sweeps the judges' scorecards on the first round. I mean, it is some thunderous action pack, uh, you know, fighting going on in that first round. And you're thinking, holy shit, you know, this is awesome. Here we go. Tyler Jones up against the wall again. And, um, but it was complete, just, you know, you just saw Will Burnett gave everything he had that first round. Uh, and it showed on the judges' scorecards, but it also showed in round two that he had given everything he had round one because then the adrenaline dump came and that, um, that uh, you know, uh, that skill level that uh, Tyler Jones possesses, patience and weather in the storm, you know, uh, he was able in, in the second and third round to really start teeing off and picking his shots. But, you know, the, that, that kid's tie fight and then followed by Jones and uh, – Burnett, man, we had the crowd rocking just two fights into this show. And then again, like I said, last thing for me was Brevin Sullivan. Tim, like you like you said, man, he is a matchmaker's dream um, because he, he does his own booking. He, you know, he is the, I guess, the latest version of Cole Farrell, um, who pretty much does his own booking after the fight's over um, with his promo at the end. Uh, and, and everybody wants a piece. Uh you know, but I, I got a feeling Brevin more so um, will be open to all those, you know, challenges uh, that are coming his way now. So, you know, makes uh, makes your job a little easier, Tim. And you know what? Somebody's got to be that guy. You know, so, somebody's got to be that guy that makes this fun. And it looks like Brevin Sullivan has declared himself the greatest striker in the United States of America. And uh, he wants somebody to stand, stand and bang, man. He wants somebody to stand and bang. Hey, I ain't hating it. You're right. It makes my job a lot a lot easier, and it's going to be one of those guys that, hey, like him or not, you're going to be tuned in to see what happens. That's all that matters. So uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. I guess we'll go on to Hobbs. And, uh, or no, oh, that was Hobbs. we got Greg. Uh, Greg, uh, Greg Hopkins. You were there cage side with us, taking it all in. Some of these guys, your teammates. Some of these guys, you're uh, not. What's your take on this first set of fights? All right. Yeah, starting off with uh, <clears throat> Sly. And Chase Rice, man. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a little still hoarse from Saturday night, but a hell of a fight with those two kids starting off. But, I mean, when you talk about age difference and, you know, grown men, you know, after you're 18, 21, 25, you know, the difference in years isn't as bad. But you're talking about a 10 and 12 year old, that makes a big, big, a big, huge difference when you're talking about maybe a seventh grader versus a fourth grader or something like that. So when you look at it from that aspect, you got to look at Sly Loose stepping up to fight. Uh, Chase Rice and Chase Rice has only been training for eight months. That is going to be a tough kid. And I mean, I'm not like you know uh, throwing shade at Sly. He was 10 years old, and uh, like Tim said, he had his moments. But I think that uh, you know Sly could you know just touch up on a few things and he'll come back stronger from it. Like uh, I like what Jeff said about you know these guys putting in uh, these hard camps and learning them hard lessons early and uh, and getting them great victories early too, man. Uh, you know, uh, with Chase Ross, I can only see him going up from here. I mean, that kid, you know, he's 12 years old, coming in here, getting a, getting a win over Sly. Uh, like you said, Tim, all these fights are pretty good. Uh, none of them are slouches. And then moving on up to Tyler Jones and Burnett. Uh, yeah, during the first round, Tyler uh, was trying to weather the storm, as we can see. But it was pretty rough one right there with Burnett coming on strong, hammering down on Jones. Then Jones decided to treat this whole thing as an art and not a fight, whereas Burnett treated it as a fight, not an art, and Jones just slowly 
picked him apart. And then when he, uh, and then when Burnett slowed down and got tired, uh, Jones started laying the heat on him and, uh, and went way ahead on the scorecard. I think he got a seven and eight count at one point in time, maybe. Uh, then moving on to, I believe he had two. He had two of them. So Tristan Kelly moving on to Justin Vall. And then Justin Vall actually snatched Tristan up in a, uh, in a guillotine when Tristan took him down because me and Tim were talking right before that fight. We're like, why does Tristan Kelly always decide to go by here and bang? Why? I mean, he's forte is a wrestler. He wrestled in Georgia. He was a good wrestler. I don't know what his problem is. And as we're sitting here talking, boom, Tristan Kelly hits a, a double leg to the ground. Justin pulls guard, hits the guillotine. And you can see Tristan starting to go out. I know Justin mentioned that he was in a top, top spot there. But Justin, yeah. Uh, Tristan was starting to go out and you could see it in his eyes and he kept like, like kind of lowering his body where he could breathe and raising up and trying to put pressure on, uh, on Justin. And then, uh, he ended up getting out and got the finish. And I believe that's his second finish. You know, his first one was over, um, uh, geez, uh, 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 oh, uh yeah. Uh, Elijah, Elijah. Yeah. Elijah. Yeah. So hey, that was his first one. He's got two finishes now, but I think he's got, I think he's been beat two or three times now so it might be 500 or upside down i think but, he's two uh, and two now well if he can uh if he can get back to his wrestling roots like he did there i think he can do a lot better and pull that above pull that above 500 uh moving on to Briven sullivan Khalil sims i like 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 tim said i don't think that uh i don't think that Briven actually gives Khalil sims credit for being as good as Khalil sims is you know i mean both of those fighters are fantastic and those are two guys those are two guys both of them and their first three fights in MMA. This was Brevin Sullivan's debut. This was Khalil Sims' third fight in MMA. His third fight in MMA. Both of these, mark my words, both of these guys will be professional fighters, and both of them will be successful fighters. And they were the second MMA fight on the card in Chattanooga, Tennessee this weekend. Mark my words, both of them will be up there. Good job to Brevin. Uh, he's making a statement saying he's the best striker in the country. That's the type of guy you're going to see on the, uh, the, the Ultimate Fighter one day because, like Tim said, uh, would like him or not, you're gonna t- you're gonna turn him to watch him. Uh, other than that, uh, Preston, did we get Kroger and Rogers in there? Yeah, they're included in this segment. I wasn't able to really give as much on that one because I'd stepped out during that one. But apparently, I guess Kroger had him had him mounted maybe, and Preston's like, I guess he had like both hands like uh, you know kind of pressed down to the mat, and he wasn't striking him at the time, and then he like went out. <laughs> and so, like, I think that a few people were cracking up at Cade's side is the referee Caleb Miller was like, oh, shit, he's out. <laughs> but it was, like, in a yeah, weird Kroger, spot when he wouldn't have expected him to be out. Yeah, Coger like, hit him with, like, a form or something, which was on top of him, and then just kind of looked up at Caleb and was like, he's out. And then, uh, you know, Caleb was like, oh, my God, oh, you know, <laughs> he is out, you know. But he looked totally conscious while he was taking hit. He looked, he looked conscious. He looked okay, but then he must have been out for at least one, two seconds, and then, you know, you know, hats off to Cobra for being a good sport. I actually told him, catch out. I told him, thank you. Because, I mean, yeah. you know, he could have, he didn't have to stop. He could have kept going. He could have done his job and not have stopped to the referee stopped him. But he looked up, uh, cool as cucumber. Hey, man, he's out. You know, then he jumped up and he celebrated after him. So, uh, but yeah, dude, like, uh, like that's a good, good way to kick off the card. All right. We'll move on to the second, uh, second set of, uh, five fights. Justin, you run down the, uh, results. All right, next, to get us started, we had Richard Guerrero getting a submission in the second round due to a rear naked choke over Javon Crowder at 185 pounds. Um, Then kind of a weird one. Uh, Less than a minute into the first round, we get a disqualification due to biting. Uh, Alex Mir moves to 2-0. 
Um, next up, Quentin Sims <clears throat> gets the uh, second round TKO over Neil McCombs and Daniel Gonzalez with another Achilles lock win, this time over Stephen uh, Kent and Kenneth Irvin with a second round TKO over Zach Neal at 155 pounds. So this set of fights, I think, was probably, I mean, you got a little bit of everything here, man. This is, uh, this is probably the most harrowing set of fights of, of them all, although we've got more shit to come in the last set. Um, so Guerrero and Crowder, we, we knew was going to be a violent one. I will say Crowder did come out a little more measured this time than he did against Craig French, where he was just like balls to the wall. Uh, Guerrero looked real good out there, man. Both guys looked pretty good, honestly. And Guerrero's striking was was maybe uh, maybe a, a slightly more, better than what I gave him credit for. He landed some pretty good shots. Ended up finally getting that submission in the second round with a rear naked choke pretty early in the round. Um, goes to two and zero, cuts a hot post fight. Man, Guerrero's got some. Uh, he's got some flair to him, man. I'm a fan of Richard there and uh, Crowder, man, tell you what, Crowder's a dangerous Owen two. I'll say that he's not going to be your typical Owen two that you run up on. You know, he's going to give guys problems. He's a tough guy. Just ran into two tough guys in his, in both of his fights in Craig French and Richard Guerrero, but I wouldn't sleep on him. Uh, the next one is the talk of the town. eh? Uh, Alex Mears with a disqualification uh, over Jayquare West, just under a minute into the first uh, as as West ended up like biting him, like kind of right under his his armpit. Um, I'll say this: the, the striking where uh, West was actually doing pretty good uh, in the striking exchanges, but once he went to the ground, um, he just was was a bit of a fish there. Uh, wasn't able to 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 get up off his back, and I don't know if it was just a desperation or a he just kind of freak out, man. You know, just kind of I don't know what to do here. But he, he bit into the the kind of the, the side of Alex Mears, just, you know, maybe uh, three or four inches below the armpit. And thankfully, it did not break the skin to where we had like blood running out of there and anything. But you could most definitely see the bite marks and the indentions. And, you know, this is uh, the second odd occurrence of the evening uh, coming on Caleb uh, Miller's watch and uh, probably would have sent most refs into uh, a downward spiral for the rest of the evening. To his credit, he didn't let that happen. But uh, definitely just a crazy situation. It, it was almost like slow motion. He's looking down and he's like, hold on, wait. Stop, stop, man. Like you're buying him. Stop. It's like, am I, am I, can I believe what I'm seeing? Uh, because it's not something you see. It's uh, you know, 10 years I've been in the game and I've not seen that on one of our shows. So um, uh, that was only the beginning of the crazy uh, J-Quare West. He, he, he wasn't really willing to accept this disqualification um, at face value, I guess. Uh, Nikki Peppers, the coach for Alex Mears, had gotten up in the corner and said that, and this probably didn't help. It was admirable, but it probably didn't help things. And said that they were willing to continue to fight if Caleb would restart the fight. Well, when West heard that, then that gave him hope that that was a possibility. It obviously was not. And thank goodness uh, he did not restart the fight. Uh, stood firm on his disqualification call. Uh, at this point, West climbs the cage. He sits on the cage panel like he, you know, like someone that maybe is just one, and uh, refuses to come down until they restart the fight. Uh, 
at that point, he was forced down by referee Caleb Miller, and, hope, and thankfully things didn't escalate beyond that because they were certainly close to it. Uh, East Ridge Police Department's finest uh, coming to uh, coming to the scene at that point and escorting West out of the cage. Uh, young Alex Mears climbs the two and zero. I'm sure he didn't get it the sati- the satisfaction that he would have liked out of that fight. So we'll be looking to book him again uh, as we return back to Chattanooga in October. Uh, Quentin Sims, Neil McCombs, actually a pretty good fight because uh, McCombs was so much bigger. You know, to, Sims is giving up a full uh, weight class here. Is they, they fought this fight at 145. So um, and Sims. T- Typically a 135 or so, giving up a lot of height and reach. And uh, to his credit, just kept on jumping into the pocket there and trading and uh, and looked great out there. Uh, got got the win with a TKO in the second round to get back on the track uh, at three and one. Uh, and honestly, uh, the Slim Shady of MMA, self-proclaimed, uh, Neil McCombs, I wasn't that um disappointed in i thought he actually fought pretty tough i thought he i thought he he fought well enough to get another fight in my opinion uh afterwards this was the uh the post fight uh interview with mr quentin sims with our own jeff hobbs hey classic uh, post-fight interview from Quentin Sims. Um, uh, interpreter Greg Hopkins, not able to make it in there in time to interpret. I think we were able to to make out what he said, and uh, maybe we see a Q2 Quentin Sims fight down the road. That could be fun. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, we had Daniel Gonzalez from High Stand uh, come out uh, to fight Stephen Kent, first-ever fighter from Kikers. Uh, you know, they're both teams had won their first fight on the night, so they're looking to keep the momentum going. But this one was all Daniel Gonzalez once it hit the ground, uh, able to find that submission less than a minute in against the bigger man. And Stephen Kent gets the two and one. And Gonzalez, man, he's a guy that you got to watch out for. He's always going after them feet out there. Uh, and he gets them more often than not. Rounding out that set, my pick, sleeper pick for five of the night. Kenny Irvin and Zach Neal and uh, Zach Neal was super tough coming out of that upstate karate gym. As you know, all those guys are, but man, this is like Kenny Irvin. To me, this is Kenny Irvin's coming out party. He, uh, he looked really good out there in all aspects of the fight, striking and grappling, just a very large, long, lanky, 155. He's going to give guys a lot of trouble. Neil had a lot of um, uh, disadvantages in the reach and height there in that fight. Just wasn't able to, to get anything going. Irvin finally stops him. In the second round, there's a little controversy there, I guess, where they uh, the, they wanted the stoppage a little bit earlier than they got it. Um, but after watching it back, man, uh, Neil was really moving a lot on the bottom. He really was kind of like you know, not just stay, staying still and taking damage. He was like swaying left to right. And a lot of what uh, Urban was throwing was glancing. And so uh, I didn't actually have a problem with this, with the, the delay on the stoppage. Uh, let's see. Let's go back around and reverse this time. Greg, we'll let you go first on, on this set. All right. We started with Guerrero. Guerrero, Guerrero Crowder. Yeah. 
Yeah, Grill and Crowder, dude, they started out, dude. If you go back and watch that fight, it was it was literally nonstop action the whole first three minutes. I mean, from the get-go, these both guys were trying to take each other's heads off, and, and I don't mean that in, like, a – I don't know. It's, it's Javon was, was hammering down on Richard. Richard was throwing everything at him but the kitchen sink, and then when he decided to throw them, uh, them high kicks – he was slipping and losing his uh, losing his uh, grip, but he never throws kicks in practice. Richard's been putting in a lot, a lot, a lot of practice. He's dedicated a lot of his time to his diet, a lot of time to the actual the arts. He's been meditating a lot. He always meditates right after he wins. He always just sits there and uh, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if he's thanking his God or what he's doing exactly. I need to ask him that. Uh, I think it's time to ask him that. The second time we've seen it, uh, Javon Crowder cracked him a few times and. I tell you what, one thing that Richard Greer does have uh, when he's while he's fixing up his technique is the nicest way to say it. He's got the biggest heart that I've seen out of any fight that went on that night because he kept going, kept going, kept going, and wasn't going to stop till he got that finish. He came out of there and I asked him if he learned anything in that fight, and he said, "I learned that I get tired really fucking quick when I'm trying to finish somebody." And he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna learn how to pace myself next time because." Uh, you know, truth be known, had that had gone a little longer, we might have seen a different kind of Richard Guerrero after the uh, midway point of the second round. But he, he was able to secure that win, get that finish. And that, I think that's two wins via uh, rear naked choke now by Guerrero. And moving on up here to Alex Mears versus little junior, uh, uh, Derek Lewis Jr., um, who bit Alex Mears. And like you said, he wasn't doing bad in the fight, but uh, – I'll go ahead and venture, and I think I'll speak for everybody when we say we won't have that guy back at Valor ever again with all the threats he was throwing out afterwards and all the crap he was talking about uh, the East Ridge Police Department. And uh, all we wanted him to do was leave the cage. And I didn't know that – I didn't know. I was wondering, watching videotape back, I was wondering, why does he keep on, like, getting in uh, Alex Mears' personal space? Like, Alex is trying to stand there, and he just kept walking towards him. Like, kept walking towards him. Kept walking towards him like this. What the hell is wrong with? I didn't know that they told him that there may be an option to continue the fight. But however, I'm still like wondering what's going on in this dude's head right now. And then when he decided to pull his protest move, I mean, all he had was him and no army. He just jumped up on the cage and decided to sit there. And I'm sitting under him wondering if he falls backwards, am I going to catch this dumbass or not? I probably wasn't going to do it. So with that being said, as he jumped down, you know, he he, he went he went 0 one for the night. Then he went 0-2 against Caleb. Then he went 0-3 against the uh, police department, and God knows what happened when he left that uh, that complex that night. He probably went 0-7 somewhere else. Uh, so that's the first guy ever known to go 0-10 for the first night of his life in MMA. Uh, moving on up to Quentin Sims and Neil McCombs. You want to talk about a damn iron jaw. Neil McCombs took so many yeah. iron nose. Reach up, kid. Now, I talked about who had the biggest heart. It was Richard Greer, but the guy with the hardest jaw tonight had to have been uh, Neil McCombs. Dude, I want to see him back. I don't I don't care when or where, but I do want to see him back. Uh, Quentin Sims, hell of a performance against a, you know, a longer guy. Both guys did not want to give it up. And, I mean, I think, you know, Neil just – he caught one too many shots, and you know from Quentin, and Quentin throws hard. I mean, and, and he doesn't stop. He doesn't know how to stop. I mean, he literally doesn't know how to stop. I mean, just, I mean, you get him going, and he, I don't know. But with Neil McCombs in that jaw, I just didn't know how that fight was going to end up finishing. Hell of a debut for Neil McCombs. I want to see him back. I want to see him back soon. Uh, Quentin Sims, the, the call that I'm sorry, guys, I didn't get to get in the cage. I was dealing with Derek Lewis Jr. back there, trying to trying to get his gloves, um, but. Uh, 
I, I, with that being said, Sims, uh, <laughs> I heard his, the funny LOL moment and all I heard was, uh, Q2, you know, he's a bitch. That's all I heard. So with that being said, I don't think that, um, you know, he's going to respond. He too is going to respond well to that. So I think we might have another fight in Nashville or maybe have uh, some Nashville boys come down to Chattanooga, maybe meet up in Knoxville. I don't know, man. I can, uh, there's a lot of stuff. Like Tim said, there's a lot of stuff brewing and it's making your job really easy because these fights are going to be entertaining to watch. Uh, going up to Daniel Gonzalez, is he still over at high stand or is he de- detached now? What is no, he, he, he is high stand still. He is. Okay, I was making sure he's still high, high stand. Yeah, that boy uh, is a force to be reckoned with at 170. I think he could lose down to 155. I'm not going to say easy because his build just like somebody else I know, and it's hard to get that weight off. Uh, but at two and one, man, I think we're going to see a lot more coming out of this guy right here. Stephen Kent going 0 and one, first ever fight. You know, um, uh, you know, you just got to come back with see Stephen Kent come back. I'd like to see it. There wasn't a whole lot to go off of. It was the first 46 uh, 46 seconds, uh, but. Hats off, Dan Gonzalez. I can see a big step up in competition. Uh, then going on here to Kenneth Irvin and Zach Neal. Hell of a fight. Zach Neal has made a significant amount of improvement since his last fight that I've watched. And with that, man, and Kenneth Irvin also making good improvements. Kenny was able to measure his distance well, uh, struggled with uh, Zach Neal's strength with uh, the wrestling. And Zach Neal was able to uh, you know, maintain position, try to maintain control, had a hell of a uh, throw on Kenny. I mean, flat back Kenny on there, and, uh, you know, Kenny scrabbled up. He's, he's a former Marine, tough guy. He trains at a gogi. He has a good team behind him. And, uh, you know, not saying Zach Neal doesn't either, but, I mean, hell of a fight. Like you said, Sleeper picking fight of the night. I could see it getting finished in the first round from a distance, but I wasn't up close like you guys. Those those punches may not have been grazing. I mean, may not have been hitting. They may have just been grazing. But uh, with that being said, man, Kenny got out there and got the job done in the second. Uh, and with that being said, there was never a, there was never a point in time in this fight where Kenneth Irvin was safe from Zach Neal. There just wasn't a point in time until Kenny was able to get the mount at the end of the first round and didn't get the finish. And then going into the second round when he got he he fell in the mount again and then got the finish. But other than that, Zach Neal was live the whole time for a knockout. Anytime he hammered, he hit he hit Kenneth a few times. I know Kenneth came out there with a little shoulder injury, but I think he'll be ready for uh you know, October, November, whenever the next show is. Uh, yeah. So, uh, that was good. That was a good running, uh, run, but I did like the first one better than I did like that run, but you know, so hats off to all those winners there. All right, Jeff Hobbs. Uh, Guerrero, uh, you know, uh, really good on the mic. It stood out. Of course, his skill level was great. Uh, looked good. Um, but another one of those guys, uh, <clears throat> you know, between Sullivan now, Guerrero, it, uh, it kind of seems like maybe a gogi also, besides training, uh, does do maybe some small classes on promos. Uh, yeah. It seems, uh, that all of them are either pretty well versed on the mic and know how to uh, get a reaction, or um, they have sat back and, and watched um, Greg do it and have uh, you know learned a little bit. Tor- uh, Torres ain't so bad himself. No, no, not at, not at all. But uh, um, <clears throat> they definitely uh, they they definitely are cut more from the Greg cloth of promos yeah. uh, than uh, than than Torres. Uh, just kind of that in your face uh, kind of promo. So uh, again, Gr- uh, Guerrero is going to be another cat like uh, like uh, Bribbon, 
that um, you know he's he's going to get some people interested in wanting to uh, step in there. So hats off to him. Uh, Weston Mears, yeah, I had a front row seat to this bad boy. Um, it, you know, so we there was so much going on. So you know, yes, uh, you know things were kind of made a little worse because West was you know hearing Mears Corner, you know, adamantly adamantly asked for this thing to get restarted so he was totally on board with that um you know <laughs> caleb just kept saying fights over and he just kept saying no it's not <laughs> he was saying, no yes it is no <laughs> it's not you know and it was so just matter of fact no no it's not it's like <laughs> damn it it's over <laughs> uh, you know so you know he jumps up on the cage at that point uh, Caleb tells him to get down several times and, you know, the kid just flat out says, no, you know, no, I'm not coming down. Um, I'll stay up here all night and and told Caleb he's going to have to get him down, you know. And at that point, when I heard him say, I'll stay up there all night, <clears throat> you know, that's when I, my kind of radar started going off. Well, you know, I can't we I can't continue the show if you're up there all night. But Caleb starts to help him down um, and, and he didn't jerk him down so much as. You know, when West felt that he was going to go ahead and get him down, he, he kind of, you know, jumped down along with him to get down. But at that point, that's when the scuffle started. Um, and, um, you know, for me right there, realizing, you know, we're not at the Cotton Eye Joe. We do not have security like the Cotton Eye Joe does. Um, but I was really just more so thinking about Caleb uh, than I was uh, Jaquare. And not that I didn't think Caleb could handle himself, but I was thinking more his position in the sport and as an official and as a referee. Uh, he was letting his his uh, his man card get pulled, and he didn't like it. And, and he was going to show Mr. West uh, what was up. And at that point, I just figured the best move was to go ahead and call for, uh, you know, the police officers to come in and, and escort him out um, before we had a situation where Caleb went too far. And, you know, possibly uh, there's no way he could have gotten in trouble, but put himself in a position uh, to where someone would have second guessed, um, you know, his decision making and, and not walking away. So, you know, I just kind of felt it was time to take that out of his hands and just. Uh, have somebody escort him out of the cage. So it was a it was a hell of a sight to be just standing there watching two armed police officers, uh, uniformed police officers, walk into an MMA cage and escort a, somebody out. Um, you know, uh, Miss Janet uh, got some really good pictures of it, and uh, it definitely sparked a lot of uh, questions for those that weren't in attendance. Uh, you know, Justin was one of them that just took a screenshot and said, what the hell was this? What did I miss? Because uh, <laughs> it is not something you see every day. Um, but like you said, too, uh, you know, to, to his credit, um, you know, Tim and I talked immediately after that. And we were kind of going back and forth about whether Caleb should come out of the cage and step out of the next one because he was so amped up. But, you know, we felt it is probably better for Caleb to stay in the cage, not be outside of the cage still amongst, uh, you know, the, 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 the situation, but let him just jump right in and get his mind off of it and, and get right back to work. And, and again, Caleb showed how much he's growing in the sport uh, as a referee and official because as soon as the cage door locked, he was able to put that out of his mind and get right back to work. And I think that helped him a lot. So, um, you know, definitely uh, hats off to Caleb for for how he handled that. Uh, Quentin Sims, man, you know, like you said, man, it was just such a wild fight. Uh, McCombs was so much bigger and, and, and Q was having to almost 
kind of bounce on his toes and, and jump up to uh, you know to, to punch uh, uh, Neil in, in those fights. And you know, Greg said it best, man. That dude has a chin because he was taking some shots um, th- that definitely should have floored anybody else. Maybe not knocked him out, but it definitely should have knocked him down. Um, but you know, Q is uh, Q's entertaining, and he's he's even more entertaining when he's at home and comfortable. Uh, we knew a, 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 a hilarious or funny post fight was was going to uh, be in store for us. Had he won, he had you know he didn't keep it a secret even before this fight. He had already been kind of reaching out to Tim that um, you know that he wanted. Uh, Hell, anybody from Nashville MMA. So he's kind of got a little sour taste about the team going down and, and you know, going over in, in Nashville. And uh, it sounded like he's pretty much wanting anybody from that gym. Now, that being said, I, I think if he's looking for a, a verbal sparring match or maybe some, some beef or some heat or some uh, action for the fans, uh, Kutu is probably not the one because Kutu is the happiest guy I've ever met in my life. Uh, the damn guy's nearly looking like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's just, you know, strutting in the street because he's always got a smile on his face and he he just doesn't get riled up and he uh, doesn't get down. So uh, I, I know Kutu fairly well. I know he's up for a fight. He's up for a scrap, but he's, you know, that's just not his uh, bread and butter. Uh, but then again, you know, who knows, man? Maybe some maybe some other people from the gym uh, aren't as um, happy go lucky as as coup and and once that little sound bite gets out there it, it may ruffle some other feathers and i mean we may have us a nice little old school uh late 90s early 2000s uh you know gym beef going on or are growing here so uh, yeah absolutely um uh you know those those were really stood out to me you know kenny Irvin, uh it definitely did look good you know i i thought um like tim you said uh he was he was hoping and looking for this for the stoppage. Uh, a lot of that stuff was you know kind of uh, getting um, not getting through the uh, his guard his you know they weren't necessarily flush punches that were landing, uh, but his activity alone um, you know I, I, he was obviously you know kind of looking to the ref like you know come on you know seriously he's not doing anything but I think he was doing just enough moving and just enough one strike up. Uh, to keep things going, and it definitely probably earned a second round. Um, but uh, hell, I asked him after the fight, man, are your arms exhausted? And he said, hell yeah. So those were the standouts, uh, you know, from that round. All right, and Justin, uh, your take from uh, watching at home. Yeah, man. <clears throat> so uh, the most impressive performance to me out of this whole section uh, had to be Caleb. I think, you know, in that situation uh, where where the bite happened, uh, I don't, you know, you definitely could have just taken a point from him and let, let the fight continue. Um, but I think that Caleb made a, a, an outstanding call because we saw how he reacted at how the, how the, uh, Jakar West reacted afterwards. So based on that, if he would have restarted the fight, there probably would have been multiple more infractions, um, done in that fight. And so I think it was, it was great foresight for him to go ahead and just stop the fight then. And then being able to keep his cool, like you say, I mean, he he did wrestle him a little bit just to keep him from from punching him in the face. But uh, I thought Caleb did a tremendous job, was super professional in that. And like you guys said about just jumping right back in there and and letting it off, you know, just letting it roll off of his shoulder uh, was amazing. And 
then you guys putting him back in there, I think was a, a good call too, obviously with uh, Jakar West being out in the audience, that could have been um, something else could have happened. I don't know, but uh, I think Caleb did, Caleb did a really, really good job there um, in a night that, like you said, there was all kinds of weird stuff happening and he was able to keep his composure and, and did a great job. Uh, <clears throat> Richard Guerrero with his uh, second straight uh, rear naked choke. Looked really good. Javon Crowder is is no joke. He's coming forward, pressing the pressure the whole time, swinging hard. Um, they were it was back and forth. The scrambles were wild, and Guerrero uh, ended up on top in in the second round. There on got got his back and was able to sink in the choke. Um, so that was an impressive an impressive performance there. I feel sorry for Alex Mir. Obviously, you know nobody wants to win by disqualification because they got bit a minute into the fight or whatever. Um, and, you know, I think he had, I don't know if he had had somebody back out or something, but I, I remember hearing the commentary say that he didn't care what weight class it was or whatever, you know, and so uh, Jakar West was a little bit heavier than him and, and whatnot, and uh, Alex Mir just wanted to fight and kind of got taken away from him um, from by Jakar West, you know, for just being a jackass. Uh, so that was just disappointing to see. Um, Q Sims, man, I, I, that, that kid, you know, I think he's like Greg said, he's got a, uh, he doesn't stop. He just, he's until he's asleep or can't breathe anymore. He's going to keep going and coming hard. And he was jumping off the ground to hit, uh, McCombs in the face and, um, because of the height discrepancy and whatnot, but relentless kept coming, kept coming. Um, and I thought he looked really good and, uh, I loved the, the promo afterwards who the fuck next every time and, you know, calling out who he wants. And, uh, that's a fun one, man. Um, Daniel Gonzalez with the Achilles lock. We saw him getting Achilles lock. I think it was last time we were in Chattanooga. Maybe actually yeah, with Eric Lewis. Mm-hmm. And that's a, not a very common submission, but, um, it's a, it's a pain hold basically, you know? And so it hurts extremely bad, but, against high level guys, you don't see it in the UFC or, or stuff like that. They can, um, you know, most of the time they'll, they'll, uh, grit through the pain. But, um, when you have a really good Achilles lock, there's really nothing you can do about it. It's like the pain's not going to stop. They're just going to keep applying more and more pressure. Um, and Daniel Gonzalez has, has a nasty Achilles lock. Uh, and then I was extremely impressed with Kenneth Irvin. Zach Neal is a, a very tough dude from a great camp, super solid, uh, striking, great wrestling, um, and for Kenneth Irvin, you know, just to never, never stop. I mean, he, he never thought at any point that he was outclassed in that fight. And, um, due to, you know, based on pedigree and, uh, longevity and stuff, I think Zach Neal probably has more combat sport experience than Kenny Irvin. But, um, you know, obviously that Marine mentality, uh, goes a long ways as well. And, he, you know, in, in that first round, like you said, when he got mount uh, at the end of the round, Zach Neal was doing a great job of, of getting out of the way of those shots. Not a lot of more landing, a lot of them hitting the arms or the mat. But, um, you know, second round comes in and Kenny goes right back to it and uh, starts landing some real shots. So that was a very impressive performance as well. All right. Uh, moving on to this last segment, we'll actually split this into two groups of three because I think I want to be able to give, uh, you know, uh, a little more attention to uh, the final fights in each of these sets of three, if you will. So uh, we'll go the next three, and then the next three will be out of this bitch. Sounds good. 
So next up, we had a uh, 140-pound catchweight. Joel Winters uh, gets a unanimous, unanimous decision over Jalen Harper, followed by a 170-pound fight. Uh, Craig French gets another TKO in under 30 seconds against Riley Hanner uh, of UFC gym in Murfreesboro. And then we had a female bout, Catherine Mullis, the young phenom, gets the third-round TKO due to strikes over Greta Mars, who is also very talented, uh, even though she felt 0-2 in this fight. All right, so uh, winners, Harper. Uh, we got a decision out of this one. I don't think that was any surprise to anyone that this one was going the rounds. Um, you know, winners able to get those takedowns. Um and, uh, you know, didn't do a whole lot of damage with him, but but, I, but did enough to not get stood up, more or less. Um, Harper uh, had his moments, but I think he just needed to be a little more active out there. Uh, even off his back, I think there, were, there was opportunity for him to just kind of kind of work from his back, even if it meant, you know, even if it meant he wasn't able to get up. Uh, you know, winners had some inactivity that I think Harper could have probably worked a little more and maybe had a argument to steal those rounds from his back he just he just didn't uh third round there was a cage grab there by winners <clears throat> that didn't get called and it uh or it didn't get a point wasn't taken anyway uh, i know that the caleb did acknowledge it and, and and admonish him but um it did affect um uh, the position of where that fight went in the third round with it being uh, a coin toss one one to one uh, well, I'll take that back. Um, winners had gotten all three judges on the first round and Harper had gotten two of the three judges on the second round. So it was kind of up in the air and that cage grab did kind of affect where, how that fight's position, uh, was for the rest of the time. So, uh, Harper wasn't real happy with that. Uh, all the same, uh, you know, the ref's call or non-call is what it is. And Joel winners, uh, gets that, uh, unanimous decision, um, and uh, gets back above 500, three and two, calls out Briven Sullivan afterward. Um, he says if he's the best striker in the U.S., then Winners is the best grappler in the U.S. So uh, I don't know if we'll end up seeing that one or not, but that's certainly one that Winners wants. Uh, Harper uh, falls to four and three, and, you know, he's a very talented kid. You know, I'm a fan of Jalen Harper. We'll just have to see if he can uh, make some adjustments now as he's, he's dropped two in a row. Uh, Craig French, just a just berserker man he's just a freaking tasmanian devil out there 24 seconds and that entire 24 seconds was him just unloading on riley hanner to hanner's credit he never went down uh he, he never went down he was absorbing a lot of shots and not really fighting back so i didn't no problem with with him stepping in and stopping the fight but um he really was just kind of kind of assaulted <laughs> you know just kind of bum rushed in french uh you know if French can keep that kind of pace, uh, you know, for for any length of time, then uh, he for sure is going to be a handful for a lot of guys at 170. He's a, he's another like another character out there that uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of. And then uh, this female fight rounding out this this little set of three, Catherine Mullis gets uh, the TKO about uh, two minutes into that last round. Uh, Mars was very very uh, game here. Uh, the the early going uh, when Mullis was able to easily get the takedowns, it seemed like this might kind of be a one-way street but then in the second round things changed very quickly uh because mars started uh, landing pretty well with the strikes was getting the better of the striking exchanges and then even had some submission attempts of her own um but mullis to her credit just kind of kept coming even though you know you could tell she was starting to fatigue you could tell some of the strikes were starting to hurt her but uh she did show a lot of tenacity uh there was this is another one that was I guess kind of like the Kenny Urban, Zach Neal situation in that 
Mullis was landing a lot of strikes from the top and looking for the referee to step in, but they were of the most minimal uh, force that one could could imagine, honestly. I, I'm sure fatigue had a lot to do with this. So it became a question of like, well, you know, she's, you know, she's landing a lot of these strikes and Mars isn't, isn't, you know, she's kind of squirming around, but she's not really improving her position. But are they doing damage? No, not really. So that was kind of a, a point of contention there. Uh, a fan of both these ladies, uh, young Miss Mullis will go off to college. We probably won't see her again until next year. Uh, she'll be doing wrestling. And then uh, hopefully we see Greta Mars again. There's another one like Javon Crowder at 0-2. Like, you're definitely getting more than you bargained for at 0-2. Uh, Jeff, I'll let you start off this round. Let's give Jeff a let's, – let's go to Greg first. Okay, yep. All right. <clears throat> So we started off with Joel Winters and Jalen Harper. <laughs> even fight going into the third round. I'm not even going to speak on the first two rounds. Uh, I know we're coming up close to an hour on the battle round. We still got five, five, six fights left. But man, uh, the thing that, uh, that Joel was able to really, really, really do to secure the win in this fight was to keep Jalen Harper engaged in the clinch or in just gra- in grappling mode. And Jalen's been working on his wrestling. Jalen's been working on his. BJJ, he really has been working on it. But when you're coming up against, you know, quote, the best grappler in the USA right now, it's not, you know, it's not going to go in your favor. But Joel was able to keep Jalen active for, you know, and I would say six minutes at six minutes of the fight, he was keeping Jalen Harper just active and trying to defend a takedown or trying to get a takedown. And I and and I don't know why because when they were standing on the feet, Jalen was was winning all the battles standing up, and and I don't think that was a question. Uh, but when you're controlling, you know, six out of nine minutes, you're going to win two rounds. And he was controlling all that third round. And like like Tim said, there was a cage grab miss. It, it should have been called. We could have had a, a draw overall, which neither guy would have been happy with that. It would have been easy to get to see that fight again. I definitely would have wanted to see that fight again. And uh, maybe a little bias, uh, uh, and 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 being Jalen Harper's teammate, I do want to see that one again because I think that uh, it's hard to beat the same guy twice. And uh, but the, but Joel Winters is moving on to uh, Briven Sullivan. He's won to fight Briven Sullivan. Yeah, I don't know if Briven wants that fight, but here's what I've seen: I seen Briven step in the cage, and Briven face off. So I mean, that's kind of like a gentleman's handshake, in my opinion. So I don't know. I don't know where we go, where we're going to stand with that one, but I'm ready to see that one coming up too. Going on to Craig French and Riley Hanner, that was kind of a um, uh, brutal pounding. It was just uh, uh, I, like I like Craig French is one of my one of my good training partners. You know, one of my fairly always with me training, other than you know Logan Neal, and I just uh, but you know he I haven't been in the gym for a few months, so I don't know what he's been doing, but whatever he's been doing and who he's been doing it with, he's doing it right because. <laughs> He opened up on Riley off the get-go and wanted to get that quick finish. I didn't think he expected a 24-second finish, but, you know, you know, I would say Craig is ready to go the distance because he comes in when he weighs in at, like, you know, 165 when he weighs in and stuff, you know, for 170. Uh, and I know that I know that he's capable of cutting 155. I just don't know what the plan is with Craig French. If he wants to get so many amateur fights before he decides to go pro, I don't know if I should even be talking about him making the pro jump yet. That he's he kind of a he's that. kind of a tweener right now. Like if there were like a steady 160, 165 class, he would be there because he consistently comes in under one seventy. Oh yeah, 
he's and he's always he's always working out. I mean, he's always training. And uh, I think Riley was the uh, was caught off guard there in the first very very beginning when Craig came in so heavy and uh, caught him caught him tough, and then just kept hammering because he saw openings. And when Riley covered up, it was an opportunity to hammer. Moving on to Catherine Mullis, man, over Greta Mars. There was points in time, and of course, in the beginning of it, you know, you see the 18-year-old debut who is a, a phenom in wrestling, a prodigy, you know, and her BJJ is uh, is spectacular, all of this above. She's still 18, though, you know, making her making her debut in MMA. Right, right, and a lot of pressure there. And, and Mars may add a little chip on her shoulder because all the talk was about her, was about Mullis, you know? Oh yeah, and Greta ain't no pushover, man. Greta, she is not. And and there was times you kind of, if you, I mean, I don't care who you are. If you're, no, I'm not saying a fan, but if you were pulling for the 18 year old girl at the beginning of this fight, and you saw Catherine Mullis start to take a toll on Greta Mars, and then you saw later in the fight when Greta Mars was getting the better, you were like, oh shit, oh shit, I kind of feel like I, I feel myself going for Greta Mars at this point right now. You know? <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I, I kind of seen some some of that swaying, and not, I'm not saying the people who came and showed up to buy tickets are people yeah. who didn't know a girl was. But well, I think it's human know. nature to, to to like like to see that comeback. You know, someone that's losing, yeah. and you see him coming back. You know, well, yeah, and it was a big deal because Catherine was just she was handled. She handled her in the first round. You're like, all right, we're going to see that second. But then we've seen we've seen that wrestling matches are only six minutes long, and you just went for three minutes. And then you had a one minute rest, and now you got to stand back up and go another three minutes. You're starting to get tired, and you really just kind of blew your load right there. Now you got to deal with getting punched in the head because it is so hard to get a single leg when somebody is just hammering your head with hammer fists hitting you. And your equilibrium's off. It's not the same. You can ask Catherine Mullis. I would like to have her on here for an interview sometime so we could just talk to her. You know, maybe when she goes to college, ask her how life's changed and stuff. And I can't wait to see her back, you know, maybe during Christmas break or something. I'm sure she. If, if her if her team will allow her to let her fight, you know, uh, like to see her have a competition because she's going to be in you know great shape being at college wrestling and stuff. But uh, yeah, and that was the last of those three, right? Yep, yep, that's those three. Uh, Justin, uh, your your take? Yeah. So <clears throat> the Joel Winters and Jalen Harper one, there was a that was a wild one. Obviously, the first round was pretty close, but uh, all three judges gave it to Winters in the second round. Pretty early, like 20, 30 seconds in, Jalen hits a pretty nice takedown, but falls into uh, not quite a guillotine, not quite an arm in guillotine, and not quite a darce choke somewhere in the middle of the two, and is held there for like two and a half minutes. So uh, two of the judges gave Jalen that round. Um, Jalen was kind of striking in in the hold, but um, then going into the third round, uh, you know, I think Winters just you know was able to mount enough um, offensive wrestling. Uh, to get the job done, but both these guys are very high-level uh, amateurs that are, you know, still early in their careers. Their their records are not, you know, outstanding, but they're these guys aren't fighting pushovers either. You know, Joel Winters has fought some really really good competition, and Jalen Harper's fought some good good guys too. So uh, that was a fun fight to watch. I was really looking forward to that one. Uh, Craig French, man, <laughs> 24 seconds. I think in his last one it was. Uh, 30 seconds or something so he's got uh two wins and hasn't hasn't gotten two wins that are less than a minute uh combined that was good he went out touch gloves reset then threw a front kick to the face like just right away 
landed it right on the chin and uh riley hanner was was in trouble from there and craig didn't let off just kept him on the on the fence landed like three or four front kicks to the face uh and until it was finally stopped uh, but i agree a good stoppage on that one um catherine mullis man i think the only person that i've ever seen in mount with softer punches uh is uh chad finnerty so you know that, <laughs> that I, I, I actually i actually thought about that in case <laughs> that was uh she kept staring at caleb though and it was it was comical you know commentary was was kind of pointed out too. christina ricker was mentioning it but she just like kept staring at caleb like are you gonna stop this and well no you're like flipping her on the forehead kind of you know like you're in a dominant position she was in a, a very dominant position and uh greta couldn't get out of it but it was just she, she's gonna have to work on that ground and pound a little bit and uh figure out how to put her body into those strikes and and throw less short arm punches um and she probably could have finished that fight a lot earlier but like i said greta mars is is no joke man she's a very talented uh, 125 pounder and at zero and two uh you know she's she faced tough competition and ha- you know hasn't hasn't gone her way yet but she's with an amazing gym um and i think that you know she definitely still has a few years left in her and um she's gonna be fun to watch in the future all right we'll uh, wrap this up last set of three guys this was uh the nitty-gritty, if you will, feature about Zane Burton. Man, they were out and forced to see some Zane Burton on this night. And he had his hands full with uh, big Andre Johnson from Alabama, who was a, a, a uh, just a yoked-up young man. I mean, this guy was in shape. The uh, the face-off was tense. Uh, we had an awesome stare-down. And when I saw these guys at the weigh-ins, I was like, shit, man, we got us a fight on our hands. And, uh, man, did we? It was, it was This was back and forth. Both these guys landed big takedowns. Uh, there was a lot of um, uh, big big punches landed. Uh, first round um, uh, went to Andre Johnson. And then the second round, Zane Burton really turned it on and uh, got that TKO um, about less than a minute into that second round. As uh, I think, if I can recall correctly, I could be wrong, but I feel like Johnson went for a throw and and, and just ended up pulling him down right on top of him. And from there, Zane took advantage. Uh, Zane, another one of these Agogi guys. He's got some mic skills. He's got some swagger. And uh, a guy that's going to be an exciting fight in uh, in that 205 division, man. That's uh, you know his teammate uh, Torres Finney, the current current title holder. So there's a bit of a log jam there. But uh, one would imagine Torres will go pro before long, and Zane will be uh, you know ready to ready to step in there and uh, and head up that division. Um, then we had Jordan Lewis, Justin Abner, really good fight, good uh, good performance from both men. Uh, Lewis just uh, got the better of him. It seemed like in all the well, the third round. Actually, I may have given the third round to Abner, but it's a little bit too uh, too little too late. Uh, Lewis able to kind of keep the top position, able to uh, you know land the better strikes and uh, and get that decision win. Really nice win for Jordan Lewis. He's another guy I'm pretty high on at 170. Main event, man, this is the this is the we ended the night with uh, some crazy too. Uh, Justin Jamar over Brandon McGee. Uh, you know that was. Uh, uh, ended up being stopped in between the first and second rounds as uh, uh, the, the, the doctor slash Mark Laws just said, you know, this fight can't can't continue. Uh, Justin Jamar moves to four and one there. The controversy here was Jamar had missed the weight. So uh, only McGee was eligible for the title. There was a point deducted from Justin Jamar to open the fight. And uh, 
you know, ultimately it was uh, a big a big stain on this win as, as Jamar did look good. And um, and then at the end of the fight, there was even more controversy because there was a potential like knee. I don't know for sure, because they, they cut away like they they hit the switch button like right when it happened. And, and we were uh, not able to clearly get the shot. But from the corner of my eye, it certainly appeared as if it was a knee to the head again from Justin Jamar that dropped McGee and then big punches ended up, you know, finishing it up. Um, but when I went to watch the video, I could not, um, I could not verify that. And Caleb, uh, Miller, the referee did not call that. So, I mean, it all happened. I mean, Jamar's so fast. He's just, he's so quick. And so it was very, uh, very much one of those, uh, a, a big win for Justin Jamar that has a cloud over it. And, I, and he knows as well with the weight misses stuff that it's hard to really enjoy this one. Uh, uh, good vibes out to Brandon McGee, man. Uh, he's probably going to, uh, you know, be laid out for a good minute, broken nose, broken orbital. Um, and it was just one of those shitty situations where, you know, the day before, I was like, man, you know, we don't we could just call this thing at this point, because in fairness, Jamar had gotten down uh, to just under 160 before he had uh, he was just not his body was shutting down on him at that point. And, uh, um, you know, it was not uh, going to be possible for him to get any any further past that. And at that point, you know, we talked about scrapping the fight. Uh, McGee was pretty adamant. He did not want to scrap the fight. He'd, he'd gotten down there. He trained. He wanted to fight. So it's just one of those you can't win situations. Uh, definitely a, a bit of a, a, a cloud hanging over the the end of this one on a night of a lot of uh, action fights, though. Props to everybody. Still, I don't want to act like the event wasn't good. It, it was very exciting and uh, you know a good turnout, good energy from the crowd. But uh, just uh, just the, the the main event certainly did not go uh, smoothly. We'll say uh, okay. Uh, we'll uh, I don't know. We've got Hobbs back yet, so we'll go. To, we, do. Uh, we do okay cool before we do is there anything you want to say on that last set of three anything on that mullis fight or anything yeah, I mean, yeah the mars mullis uh obviously i think was the you know the, the most anticipated fight out of that group and you know I, I think greta mars performance actually doesn't get you know the credit it probably deserves i mean there was yes it was almost impossible to stop those takedowns but i mean i don't know man she just always still felt like she was kind of there the more mullis kept uh you know, kind of you know, just physically fatiguing and gassing. You just thought that Greta might have a shot to start each round. But, uh, you know, Mullis, uh, man, that was a wild interview. I will say that, too. Um, you know, trying to do an interview. She had left the cage to go throw up. Then I thought, OK, no interview. She comes back uh, after throwing up, back into the cage to interview. And as I'm asking her questions and trying to put the mic in front of her mouth, she's She's gagging and, and almost, you know, regurgitating again. So it was like it was hard to get through. Um, she's definitely uh, I mean, she is. Uh, I don't know what the word is, an intense uh, individual. But, um, yeah, you know, she I think she realized quick that, um, you know, the the Hydra Cup was great. And it was a great submission win over a, a great opponent. And it kind of got her recognized. But, you know, the MMA game. Uh, is is a lot different. It's a lot different uh, pushing like that for that long and, and getting hit back and, and the punishment that, that's taken uh, definitely slows you down a little bit. I fully expected when I interviewed her afterwards to say something like, you know, to that effect. I mean, she immediately come back with, you know, hell yeah, let's do it again. You know, let's 
I'm, let's do it again. I'm ready. Let's go. Um, but you got to think she, she's going to come into it the second time with a little different um, uh, respect for it. And, and, and maybe that's not the right word, but, you know, she probably go into the next camp with a different mindset, I, I should say. Um, but that's that's really I, I'll leave it on that. And even on this last section here, uh, Zane Burton, obviously, yeah, uh, the crowd was there for Zane Burton. Um, I don't even know who else the crowd was there for, because when he came out, I, I did a, a pan around of the, the room. And to me, it looked like everyone was standing up and cheering for Zane Burton. So I'm not sure anybody else sold a ticket except Zane Burton um, or he had already won over everyone else's crowds and they were just participating along with Zane's crowd. Um but uh, definitely some some. I know you said Torres is in the same weight class. Um, not knowing when or at what point Torres will go pro, but uh, you know those. You can't help but just look at Zane Burton and then look at Torres's past opponents as possible really good fights. Um, you know TK. Um, uh, what's uh, what's our other guy there? Tristan. Uh, Tristan. Tristan. Tristan Scarborough. I mean, uh, that would be a great place for Zane to start is looking at Torres's past uh, uh, opponents because I think they would make some for some really intriguing matchups and a, a Burton and TK buildup um, would be probably pretty entertaining for the fans. Um, but I'm going to jump up to the main event, Jamar, uh, Justin Jamar, Brandon McGee. Um, you know, yeah, you know, that, that weight discrepancy, it's just there's nothing about what was going to happen. Uh, Saturday night that that cloud was not going to be hanging over the bout, uh, especially for me personally, with this being the second fight in a row that Justin Jamar has, has had to abandon a weight cut uh, prior to even coming to weigh-ins and, and, and get some sort of attention uh, and, and still coming, though, to the weight, uh, you know, to the city, um, you know, with the hopes of still being able to compete. Um you know, you, you just, you know, you obviously you got to hope that this isn't something that I'm not going to say is planned or calculated, but, um, you know, maybe when it gets to that point where he feels uncomfortable during this weight cut and says he can't do any more, um, you know, maybe it's just easier to cut it off than it would be to push. I don't, I don't know. But at the end of the day, every opportunity was given to Brandon McGee to not fight, um, and regardless of the weight cut, uh, the weight gain, uh, the weight miss, whatever, Brandon McGee wanted to fight. And he wanted his opportunity, um, regardless of what opportunities Jamar did not have anymore, Brandon McGee wanted that belt and he wanted to fight. And uh, it, it was his choice to fight. I will say, even though we were right side by side, Tim, when I watched the knee, my first instinct was is that it was good. You know, it was very um, Anderson Silva, Chell Sonnen-esque. Um, I felt if anything hit the face or the head, it may have been his thigh um, as he was coming in. Um, but I, I was kind of the opposite. My first instinct was is that it was a good good knee. Um, but I talked to Jamar after the fight personally, too, and I, I didn't mean it in a disrespectful way. But I said, you know, this, these things are always going to happen to you, you know, no matter what, because of your style of fight. It's a very carefree uh you know, I don't want to use the word reckless in a derogatory time, but a very reckless, you know, um, approach to the fight where he's just going to throw everything plus the kitchen sink at somebody, whether that be spinny shit, flying shit, uh, you know, that, that's his game. And these things are unfortunately going to happen um, because of that style 
And, you know, the referee tells you at all times, you know, control your strikes, be in control of your strikes. And I think that's something um, that he's not necessarily in uh, control of his strikes. He's just throwing caution to the wind and wanting to, especially when you're down a point, you know, two fights in a row, he's down a point. He knows that uh, he can't really afford to uh, take this into a judge's scorecard. So he's obviously throwing caution to the wind. So, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, the fight is what it is. It was over. Um, you're never, you know, the crowd's going to have emotion and be upset. McGee's family and friends are going to be upset. Um, but nobody could see. You can speculate all you want. There's no way to tell. You're, you're not going to change anybody's opinion. I would definitely just hope, you know, after the fight's over and in the, in the coming days afterwards, I, I just personally don't agree with when, when breaking down the fight, you know, continuing to bring up the weight difference when on weigh-in day and, and fight day, it wasn't an issue anymore. Or I should say it was a non-issue. We had already moved past it and everyone had agreed. Uh, it just seems kind of careless to me, or not careless, but just unnecessary to come back afterwards and then, you know, keep pointing out the weight difference. Right. Yeah. I've got to agree with that because ultimately, you know, the the terms were reached, if you will, that were to, you know, either negate that weight cut as best as possible uh, or, uh, you know, or just not do it, you know? So uh, I got to agree with you there. Uh, We'll go to uh, Greg. All right. So, uh, you know, I made it 13 fights in the night, but, you know, trying to be unbiased as possible. And uh, I couldn't help it. Zane Burton's from the same hometown that I'm from, from Ringo, Georgia. He's from Ringo, Georgia. I know him. I know his family. And uh, when he came to Agogi, uh, you know, he's like a little brother, little big-ass brother, you know. But, uh, you know, when I seen his opponent, you know, Andre, uh, this game, you know, you know, we mentioned it in the hotel room talking about the fights the night before when we were talking, you know, he got on a, a Greyhound bus, you know, and went 10 hours from Alabama to get up here, and he wasn't wanting to go home with a loss. And how intense the stare-down was during the weigh-ins at first, you know, I I had uh, <clears throat> I had, had to have a talk with Zane and let him know how uh, he was dealing with an explosive athlete that is going to try to knock you out in the first round. And uh, and he's coming prepared, and he's ready to take you out. And Zane, you know, you can't never tell with Zane. He's just – he's always just has that um, – I don't know, just that content look on his face. He's like, I'll be okay. I'm like, you know, okay, all right, well, we'll see. And uh, the biggest pop of the night went to Zane Burton. And that's – like you said, that's who saw the show. That's who came – that's who came – that's who people came to watch right there with Zane Burton, and uh, I can't wait to see him on another card here soon. I do want to see Johnson back, dude, because that guy was a monster. A monster. That is a deceptive 0-1. I mean, I'm sorry, 1-1, a deceptive 1-1. And, one. and uh, for the next guy who has to fight him, good luck, because he's going to be coming coming with vengeance like from a loss. Justin Abner and Jordan Lewis, that was a hell of a banger. It was the co-main event for a reason. Uh I would, I, it, I mean, it couldn't be for a title because, you know, it was just Lord Lewis's third fight and Abner's records, uh, you know, was, you know, three and four at the time. And, uh, but if that fight would have went two more rounds, a five rounder, I think Jordan Lewis might have been fading there in the end, in the end game. But he threw some hammers through up all the way to the end, to the end of the fight. And, uh, I enjoy watching both these guys. Justin Abner's uh, eighth fight as an amateur, 
Uh, Jordan Lewis is third. I can't wait to see both guys back. Uh, Jordan Lewis is climbing that ladder over there at 170 now. How you think? How you think? Uh, how do you think Lewis sizes up with the champ, Samaj Portis? I, I, I'm, that's what I'm wondering because if I'm not wrong, is Jordan Lewis fought bigger in the past or cause do I just think he, he has, he has, he has fought 85 in the past. Uh, but I think he's always, you know, would typically want to fight 170. It's just, he, he's taken some 85 fights just cause you know, style, style and opponents, you know, I actually, uh, think that would be a really good fight. Um, is there anybody else in line right there at 170 right now? I'd anybody say Dustin, else? I'd say Dustin Bailey. Dustin Bailey. Uh, yep. I, I would I would rather go in. I don't know if I'd rather go into the Jordan Lewis fight or Lewis and Bailey fight. I'm sure there's somebody else out there in the mix that'll hear this and want to say something to you and you and Well, Craig, well, Craig French uh, is getting is working his way into that mix too. Yeah, Craig French is too, and uh, also hell since we're talking Richard, about Richard him, uh, Richard Guerrero. Richard Guerrero is at two and uh, uh, two and zero right now. There's a you know. Um, I mean, you got a uh, Daniel Gonzalez right there. You know, there's a lot of fights that you can, you can match them up. And hell, I'm gonna go ahead and throw one more in the bunch, Justin Jamar, because this is the second time this kid has missed weight. He right? may need to be and at like, 170. You're right. You're right. We may, we may, I think we need to go ahead because of what has happened and make it make. make he, I don't think he should be able to fight 155 again until he can show that he can successfully make a. 170 bout and be had. I don't know. That's just uh, the reason I say that is because um, uh, I, I don't. I, if he, you said to his to his to his credit, he made he made it to 160, right? Yes. Okay, but he was he weighed in at 168. I guess I'm just like, and I know if you tell a fighter, hey, I know you trained for a long time for this fight. You're the main event. This is for that title. Mm-hmm. So you got it. You got it. Make weight. I mean. A fighter is going to want to fight, but you got to have a team there and, and the coach to be able to mentor you to tell you it's not in your best, it's not in your best interest right now to fight somebody with the caliber of Justin, Justin Jamar that missed weight by a significant amount. And like Jeff said, he does fight, he does fight and throw everything. And and Justin Jamar is one of those guys that is going to make that pro jump faster than a lot of uh, amateurs because of the way he fights. And I'm going to say I saw it from a different angle, and that knee was illegal. It was completely illegal. Uh, but I can't. All I can. All the only place I can show it to you is in my head because I can see it like it was yesterday and just rewind it and say to you know, uh, McGee was down trying to get up, but his knee was down and he got knee in the in the in the in the face. Uh, so, but with that being said. Justin Jamar is a fighter that fights on reaction and off of instinct. And Justin Jamar uh, went toe to toe with Tyler Jones in a in a kickboxing match, and that tells you the caliber of fighter he is. That's why I'm telling you he's not going to stay amateur long. But in his amateur career, he needs to learn some discipline. And if he's going to commit to a 155 bout title fight, then he needs to make 155 title weight. And if he can't make it, then he needs to call in advance and let people know what's going on and just be a little bit more professional than the amateur that he, you know, that he is. Okay. So with that being said, there was not many point in time in that fight where I thought Justin Jamar was going to lose because Justin Jamar was winning that fight hands down. He was piecing Brandon up. He was hurting Brandon. He was putting it on Brandon. And when he finally hit the knee, you know, Brandon, 
wanted to continue. Brennan, I don't believe did Brennan have a corner there? Who's corner? Did Brennan have a corner? It was just it was just pals, really. I didn't see like a you know a coach per se. See that's see that's why that's another reason I was kind of upset because I know that you know you know you know Josie is now at KMA now, but she was a former teammate and she was you know she's marked you know Mark Law's you know Cutman apprentice. And she's helping Mark out, and she's a former, uh, you know, teammate of Brennan. And as she's in there, she's trying to stop the nose from bleeding, and she can't. And he's just saying, please stop my nose from bleeding. I want to continue. But, man, his, his nose is broken. His, like, damn orbital's broken. He has no idea. His adrenaline's going. And he took a hard shot, man. It was just a, it was a sad thing to see. And uh, and I hated seeing it. I really did. Uh, I, 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 uh. I do think that we uh, – I've touched on the weight. I've touched on the, the knee. And with that being said, I don't think it was malicious. He didn't do it. He, he didn't do it, like, on purpose. And, and, I mean, it hit him. You know, Brandon was shooting throughout the fight, and that kind of shit does happen. People throw knees. And if you get hit, then the rules are you got knocked out by a knee. So if, if, if Brandon was hitting a uh, drop step to a shot, then his knee was down – and he got hit. But uh, that was a rough one, and I know everybody's emotions were haywire on both sides, and I'm, 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 I mean, Justin Jamar was going to win that fight. But with that being said, I, um, I would like to see Justin Jamar at least make 160 on a, or, or something on a uh, catch bout to show he can make 160 sure. before we allow him to go 155 again. Because that's the second time we've given up a point in a fight at the beginning with the same person. And, uh, and that, and that five-round fight wasn't going to matter on that point. So there's got to be a more – there's got to be something something else. He's got to do something. He's got to well, – I think I think that's good. All right, sorry. All right, but that's how I feel. All right, last take of the night. Justin Watson, wrap us up. Um, <clears throat> yes, yeah, so Zane Burton, obviously we know he's got uh, good stand-up, comes from a, a background of, of strikers, and uh, we saw him in a, in a kickboxing bout before. But uh, the wrestling and grappling abilities were – were impressive as well you know he showed that he's versatile he's, he, he doesn't he's not just a striker he can do the ground game as well and uh like you guys said he was up against a very uh put together in shape opponent um and i think he handled him pretty pretty well uh jordan lewis man that fight he landed some big shots on justin abner and abner just kept pushing forward you know it just speaks to how tough that guy is and um, Jordan Lewis, Lewis, like you say, he's definitely not a small 170. Um, and but that was a fun fight, you know. I think, uh, like Greg said, obviously, you know, if the fight would have been gone any longer, I don't know uh, how much longer Jordan Lewis would have been able to uh, continue with that pace. But um, you know, I, I think he, he did a good job and definitely won the fight uh, and would have gotten a finish over most anybody else. Justin Abner is just. Uh, abnormally tough uh, and resilient. Um, the Justin Jamar thing, man, I didn't know that he had made 160, but I'm I'm assuming that that was in his hotel room. They told you that he made 160 in his hotel room and then had to stop. No, he he you started his. They start. Yeah, well, I saw the scale, but they started his day at 160. So he only had five pound cut to start his day, and. Um, and I guess he started and they said he started to like, you know, like started to show some ill effects like his um, 
I guess like maybe like his hands were starting to like curl up and stuff. So they were worried about him. And, uh, and then once he got the IV, that's when, that's when he ballooned all the way up to 168. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was one of those things where, you know, McGee realized, um, you know, what was going on and he didn't want him to, to hurt himself any further. So it just, it's a complicated thing really. You know, it just wasn't, it, it was just shitty. Yeah, that definitely makes a big difference. I mean, when I heard that he was 13 pounds overweight, that's extremely egregious. But there, are, there's more to the situation than that. He didn't just show up at 13 pounds over and right. say, I'm not cutting any more weight. So, um, And Brandon McGee's a dog, man. He's not going to back down. Like like you said, he he made the trip. He did the camp. He's not going to try to back out of a fight because of that. And, um, you know, I don't know that the – that 13 pounds played that much of a difference in the outcome of the fight. Um, Justin Jamar is a beast and uh, you know, he landed some big shots of the knee. I couldn't see either. Obviously I was watching the pay-per-view. So it cut to a, they like cut off of the screen um, as that happened, but they were also talking, I don't know if uh, I, you guys didn't mention this, but on commentary, they were saying something about um, that there was, some controversy about Justin Jamar landing, throwing shots after the bell. Uh, so I don't know where that came in, but um, they showed it on, you know, showed the replay multiple times, and that definitely wasn't the case. As soon as the bell rang, Caleb Miller stopped the, you know, came in to stop the action. Justin Jamar stopped throwing. There wasn't any, uh, nothing, nothing there. But um, yeah, I wasn't aware of any of any uh, chatter about that at all. Yeah, I don't know if the commentary misheard something and maybe it was about the knee, but they were told – they said that – I guess uh, the producer told them um, to rewatch it to see if that was uh, – if there was some late shots there. But that definitely wasn't the case. Um, but, man, Justin Jamar is a very talented kid, and uh, I would like to see him be able to to, to commit and, and really you know get his diet down and be able to – Make 155 pounds, 170 pounds is a whole nother division. You know, I mean, like it's, that 15 pounds could make a big difference. And I think that he is built to where he can definitely make 55, but it's just going to take some some commitment and uh, some discipline. So, uh, but I agree. I think that you know his next fight, he I don't know if you should make him do 170 for one or make him do a catch weight or um, or what. But I think once he gets that that weight cut down, um, Justin Jamar is going to be a dangerous, dangerous person. And I, and I agree. I think that, you know, his style is much more fitting for the, for the pro division where you're uh, a little more, um, you have a little more freedom to, to get a little more dirty in there. And, uh, you know, but as an amateur, you have to, you got to know what you can and can't do. And like you said, we, we've seen him do that before throwing knees to the head and, uh, he's got to get that under control. But, it was a great fight, man, and Brandon McGee showed uh, a lot of class after the fight also, you know, um, and and not being upset about the, the weight miss and all that stuff, you know, and giving, giving props where they were due. So um, Brandon McGee's a stud, man. He'll be back, and Justin Jamar will be uh, – I think we'll, we'll get the ship righted as far as the weight goes, and um, I think we'll see some fun stuff out of him in the future. And that will do it, folks. That is our recap for Valor 86, and it's a wrap. We're going to be uh, rolling on to Valor 87 uh, preview next week. 
Uh, we appreciate everybody for sitting in. My co-host Justin Watson, uh, and as well as our panelists Greg Hopkins and Jeff Hobbs. I'm your host Tim Loy signing out. Till next week for another edition of the Valor Hour. This week on Crush Performance, we're as excited as you to get back to the ebb and flow of the fall sporting season. And while most people have been fairly active over the summer, we still need to use a little caution as we get back to it. We're joined by Tahisha Nadu, physiotherapist at Advantage Sport Medicine and head therapist for the Saskatchewan Rush of the National Lacrosse League as we discuss what you need to be thinking as we return to sport, not just to reduce risk of injury, but also to improve your performance as the fall season approaches. And I'll discuss how some sports take away more than they give back. It's the return of sport on this week's episode of Crush Performance. Crush Performance with Jeff Cruschel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.